0: This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I interviewed Corey Clipston from Swan Bitcoin. Um, I wanted to talk to the uh, the other Corey in the Bitcoin space. Um, but, uh, I wanted to talk to him about Swan because Swan is a, a great platform to buy Bitcoin. They allow you to do dollar cost averaging um, so that you're automatically buying Bitcoin, X number of dollars worth of Bitcoin every week. If you, know, you want to take part of your weekly paycheck and, and turn it into Bitcoin, uh, it helps you uh, dollar cost average and not uh, worry about timing the market Uh, so i wanted to talk to him about that the origins of the company and how he got into bitcoin Um, then we also get into other things like models and and longevity in bitcoin and and you know what the time chain means and all that kind of stuff so i really enjoyed my conversation with corey Um, today the show sponsor is coinbeast connect do you have questions about bitcoin personalize your learning and book a one-on-one video call with a bitcoin pro on coinbeast connect Learn about mining, security, the Lightning Network, DeFi, taxes, and many other topics. It's really easy. Choose your topic and pro, select the date when you're available, and bring your questions to the meeting room. Book your first call today by going to coinbeast.com and clicking on the Connect tab. Be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need. Also brought to you by Movies Plus. Movies Plus is my platform that you've heard me talk about many times, I'm sure. Uh, But it is a streaming platform that we launched. Um, You can download the apps, just go into any app store, search Movies Plus. Um, and then the web address is mymoviesplus.com. Um, and we have a lot of content up there. We're adding five new horror movies a day through the month of October. Um, and uh, and we're adding literally thousands and thousands of titles. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to keep up with how much content we're getting. Um, so it's a great place. There's some Bitcoin content on there. I have Richard James's series, and we're going to be developing some more stuff and everything. So if you want to check it out, um, use the code if you're signing up for an annual. You can get the whole uh, subscription for a year for 25 bucks if you use the code B- BTC Year. And if you want to try it for a month um, and uh, get the discount down to five dollars for uh, for one month, the code is BTC month. So that's BTC year for an annual and BTC month for a monthly. I hope you guys check it out. Um, and there's a couple of things on there too. Just download the app because we have a, a free speech cat, uh, category that is content that is available to everyone, regardless if you're a subscriber or not. So um, and uh, the Bitcoin stuff is is in there right now. So if you want to check that out. Um and hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy it. Let me know if you want to get in contact with the show. The Twitter handle is at Bitcoin Simply. My personal one is at Corey underscore Tusik, and the show email is Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Yeah, I only I had one um I had one podcast where both the kids actually crashed it. Um, and like, it was just like, uh, you know, they, you know how kids are. I mean, they just, they just want blindly walk past any signals where you're like, no, no. And they're just like, what's the big deal? Um, so yeah, it's, it's all good. But, uh, I see, uh, is that a Chicago, uh, is that, it Bears? Is, yes if... uh, no university of Chicago. Oh, university of Chicago. Okay. Yeah, the one with oh. the crappy sports teams. <laughs> so, you didn't go to not Northwestern or uh, anything like that. Um, yeah. You're originally from Chicago? Mm-mm.
1: No, I grew up in uh, Marin County in the Bay Area and Seattle. So, I was mostly in Seattle.
0: Okay. Okay. Does that make you a Seahawks fan? Oh, yeah.
1: Huge Seahawks fan.
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys got the. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm from Pittsburgh. So, uh, we had that one face off in the Super Bowl. Um, yes
1: 2006 i remember uh i I threw a lot of things at the wall there (laughs) and kind of killed i killed my own super bowl party that day
0: (laughs) oh yeah don't have super bowl parties when your team is in it i've learned that very bad idea that uh well it's funny that super bowl was like the one like i've I've joked before and said that the seahawks wanted to lose that one a little bit more than the steelers did like it was just neither team played good like it was just It was just a a mess, but uh, but at least you guys got one eventually. We
1: did get one eventually. Probably, probably should have had three this decade. But one of the most underachieving uh, should have been dynasties is like the 2010 Seahawks, only getting the one Super
0: Bowl. It's pretty sad. I know. And I mean, I've never been more upset than whenever they uh, blew it on that uh, for another team. I mean um then whenever they against the patriots the patriots that was pretty funny yeah yeah Yeah. but
1: uh little known fact the uh the swan color palette is actually mostly the seahawks colors uh oh okay i figured they probably paid a expensive consultant so i just went on like teamcolors.com or whatever (laughs) and grabbed all their pantones and yeah that's that's most of the the swan colors
0: (laughs) yeah it's funny how you know uh resourceful us entrepreneurs can be because um you know you look at something like that and it's it's literally they spent you know millions of dollars probably getting that color palette fixed and you're like you know what that's a pretty good idea let's let's go with pretty that good. yeah it looks good um, deep,
1: deep blue i'm in i'm with it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um so the uh, I, I, since cj wilson asked we have to talk about hair to start um so is this the i don't i haven't you know, been in the space too long. Have you always had long hair or is it just no. a, is this a newer thing?
1: No, I just, uh, it, this is, this is cut probably six weeks ago, but like, it's just hard to get out. I'm busy and there've been so many like rolling lockdowns I'm in Southern California, uh, just outside LA and like really hard to get a haircut around here. Yeah. Uh, in fact, our nanny went to uh, beauty school during lockdown. And, uh, so now she's cutting my hair.
0: Oh, nice, nice. So
1: I got to I get her, 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 her to stop by and cut. But yeah, I mean, I, ideally, it would be like right here. But there was one stretch of like, I don't know, nine months or something in the worst of it, and uh, yeah, it was Jesus length. It was pretty rough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's uh, I, I, my wife saw my tweet where I said, oh, maybe I should grow out. She's like, no, 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 no. Cause don't do it. Don't do I've, it. Yeah. Once you get once you get past a certain length, once you get past that awkward phase. Then, yeah, then you're like, all right, I, I can go with, but it is that hard transition between long and short hair. And I've done it, I think two or three times in my life. And, um, I don't think I'm doing, it, it used to be, I played hockey, so it like, f- it would flow out the back of my helmet. I like that. Oh, there you go. That, um, well, that's
1: badass. Yeah. If you can have like the wind blowing in your hair out of the helmet, like, you know, that's, oh, yeah. that's pretty solid right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, anyways, I didn't, even, I didn't
1: have the longest hair in the Bitcoin Twitter sphere at all last year. I mean you know quit him brandon is high like he's got his hair pulled back like there's a hell of a knot at the back there that uh, i don't know if anybody's ever actually seen it completely unfurled but i think he's got a lot of hair uh and until rob breedlove cut his hair i mean his was like past his chest
0: yeah 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 (laughs) he he was it was right in time with it must have been a bit clout thing it was like a bet like somebody said if you do Bitcloud ever, you have to cut your hair because like right around that same time,
1: I, I can't remember. I think he cut it when he was uh, when he was abroad, actually, before all that. But oh yeah, anyway, nah.
0: he yeah. he had one heck. Uh, he's got a that was one heck of a, a main, though. Um
1: yeah, it was solid.
0: But uh, so yeah, so um, thanks for coming on, and I'm sure you've told your your origin story, but uh, like just if you could give a quick uh, recap of how you got into. Bitcoin just for anybody that's listening that hasn't heard before. Cause I think we all like hearing our, the origin stories.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I used to work for really big companies. So I worked for like Microsoft and Morgan Stanley uh, McKinsey, Google uh, went to B school at university of Chicago. And it was probably the, the global financial crisis and just kind of seeing the sands shifting a little bit. And I'd been spending so much of my time in my career, like fixing other people's problems and uh, i just got it in my head like you know what i want to want to do early stage tech startups where i control my own destiny i want to be entrepreneurial i want to just like kind of create problems for other people that they can go fix <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i know that's the best part you get when you get to the point where you can hire people to fix the problems
1: yeah yeah that, that's that's uh yeah. So that's what I was thinking. So I jumped out of corporate in uh summer of 2013 and I had been kind of advising some startups and cutting some angel checks. And so I just started doing that full time and looking for places to operate and get involved. Um, you know, most of my background was kind of like video, ad tech, marketing, all my consulting work for seven years. Post B school had been uh, like top line sales, marketing focused, kind of just driving revenue. Uh, so that's kind of the, the value that I added in startup world was, you know, marketing and sales and sales ops. And I'd also been doing, uh, I'd been raising money since like 2004 for all kinds of different things. Um, so I had a kind of a spike in fundraising and was good at that. Uh, and that was pretty valuable. So I we had moved to LA at the beginning of 2013 and I started mixing it up with the Silicon Valley startups and getting to know all the VCs and all the founders and just getting kind of passed around as uh, like a fractional chief strategy officer, essentially, like you when you're an early stage startup like seed to be you know sub nine figure valuation it doesn't make sense to have somebody like me full-time after you're like a hundred million valuation you can afford to hire somebody like me full-time so you know helping companies get through those first you know you know two to four years until they hit that that level uh was a really good niche for me and um it got, you know I'm, so i've been in startups for eight years uh you know, invested or advised kind of on the cap table of like 45 or 50 startups. And that's been cleaved exactly into by getting into Bitcoin in uh, spring of 2017 uh, with the last bull run. And, you know, like I have a lot of empathy for people that get confused about, you know, what is money? What is Bitcoin? Is Bitcoin the next, you know, is Bitcoin MySpace and Facebook is around the corner? Because yeah. that's that's what I got suckered into because, you know, coming from startup land and VC land and the podcasts I listened to and the signals that I had were coming from people who were really smart about, you know, SaaS and market networks and marketplaces and video and ad tech and all the things that I cared about. Uh, and so if you, I would just listen for the most part to what Andreessen Horowitz is saying or what Fred Wilson at USV is saying, and that, you know, was my, that was my social signal. And mm-hmm. so I thought it was crypto, 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 let's create a million fucking tokens and, you know. Maybe Bitcoin is there, but I'm like not going to go super deep on it. And uh, so, yeah, it wasn't until like the tail end; it was probably like November uh, of 2017 that something like pricked my consciousness enough to get me into the Bitcoin only Twitter sphere a little bit and start plugging into the YouTubes. And and over the next few months, I think by by April of 2018, I realized I didn't ever want to read another white paper. <laughs> <laughs> or look at another deck. And so, you know, no, no, more crypto for me. And I just started trying to orient my, my career and my, and just all of my time uh, just getting deeper into Bitcoin kind of plugging in and figuring out, you know, is there something that I can do to add value in this space? And, you know, over the next nine months or so kind of the rest of 2018, I, I, I had actually done a lot of payments work previously, and so my orientation initially was like, well, let me do something, you know, that I already know how to do. And, you know, I just I got more of an understanding of Bitcoin and kind of thought, you know, this is probably going to be more of a a store of value, developing store of value story for the next five to 10 years. And, you know, I think Bitcoin as a medium of exchange is probably, you know, five to 10 years away, uh, mm-hmm. at, at like venture scale returns for those companies. So you know, I, um, I still place bets on those companies and like just cut little angel checks into lightning companies and stuff like that in case some of them just take off. And I think you're starting to see that, you know, there are uses where Bitcoin as part of something that's really broader in fintech and you're trying to create like a mobile wallet or something like that. There are interesting things going on there. I just didn't see it at the time. So what I really wanted to focus on was just selling lots and lots of Bitcoin
0: mm. and,
1: uh, initially was looking at selling it to institutions and thinking about doing like a Bitcoin closed end fund and going and doing the roadshow and kind of just aggregating a bunch of assets under management. But I wasn't really excited about that because I didn't want to do custodial. And I also didn't want to travel. And most of those deals require a lot of entertainment and, you know, going and
0: whining and York. dining.
1: Yeah. You got to be in New York and at least take the meetings. Right. And I just wasn't really interested in doing that. Got to two kids and the family out here in SoCal and I, I don't want to travel for business if I can help it. Um, so I was like, you know what? I really am motivated by talking to the person who's actually affected by getting into Bitcoin. Cause that's, that's magic and it's energizing and I really enjoy that educational part of it. I want to scale that with media and code, mm-hmm. you know, and and not have to do hand to hand one-on-one combat every time you're trying to orange pill somebody. Yeah, And, um, and yeah. And I, so I just, you know I kind of also had an inkling that you know bitcoin is such a good product that you never have to get out of your out over your skis and say anything about it that it's not. And so really it's just education is the marketing. If mm-hmm. someone understands Bitcoin, like the more they understand Bitcoin, the more of it they're gonna buy. You go mm-hmm. way deeper in their wallet if they understand it deeply. So so that was it. I was just like you know we're gonna do something around all the marketing is going to be education and then we're going to sell Bitcoin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to be purely educational. And and then here, Oh, by the way, if you like what you learned, here's some Bitcoin you can buy.
1: Basically. Yeah. Just kind of just merging those as the efforts or uh, that's the people that we would hire and the efforts that we would undertake is get really good at selling Bitcoin, really good at educating people about Bitcoin. Um, And then, you know, so Swan, we, we, had the idea for launching with the automatic recurring purchase product because you could do that in a very capital efficient way. And it was also kind of the thing that I think was most in tune with the Bitcoin zeitgeist in 2019, early 2020 was, you know, we should all just be stacking every day. I had realized how much better that was as a way to to stack. So it was like, it was great for noobs that were just getting in just to like make a one-time choice and just start stacking, you know, mm-hmm. like Netflix and chill, just like Swan and chill. Set it and yeah. forget it is really what you're going after. Right. And, and it was also interesting that a lot of the people who were in Bitcoin the longest, that's how they preferred to do it. So, you know, you had uh, Matt and Marty pushing, you know, just stack every Saturday on cash app. And, you know, but if you can automate that now, everybody has it kind of automated, but I think we were kind of the first ones to really popularize that particular service in the U S anyway. Um, so that was great because you could, you could not raise any venture capital from, you know, basically all the VCs are into crypto and yeah. all the funds back then there's, there's a couple of Bitcoin only funds. Now there's, uh, both Elise and Chris Calicott with, a Uh, the Bitcoin venture fund. But back then you'd have to take money from a crypto fund or a VC, which is, you know, in in our space, basically a crypto fund. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want those investors to have any power at all. Uh, So it was great launching with uh, dollar-cost averaging because these are people that are kind of like low time preference and their money could arrive from the ACH transfer before you had to buy the Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of ramped up as we got more capital and we turned cash flow positive in like November of 2020. And then we added smash buys, um, which is like buy now. And we're essentially lending the money to the buyer for the two days or whatever until their money actually transfers by ACH. So you actually mm-hmm. have to have that money sitting there to buy the Bitcoin to deliver it to the person who bought it two days ago when their money finally gets there. Yeah, So you have to actually have like a decent chunk of capital um, to be able to do that. And, uh, and then the market just kind of t- told us, you know, we like your brand, we trust you. And then rich people around the world started hitting us up, asking if they could buy large chunks of Bitcoin from us. Uh, and so we started taking wire transfers and started doing, you know, eight and you no know, nine figure buys, but lots of seven and eight figure buys uh, for people around the world. And then companies that, you know, wanted to sign up with entity accounts and trust accounts or just their, their actual LLC or C corp buying from us um so it was kind of obvious that we needed another product and service layer uh there so we started Swan private client services um and that team is like you know Steven Lubka Jean Balahotle on on uh on Twitter Stefan Lavera is one of our full time salespeople. Mm-hmm. um Terence Yang um so got a good team of uh folks there doing that and yeah it's been a it's been a good growth story we uh
0: you
1: know so you've been like, launched
0: just like a little bit a little bit over a year right
1: it's coming up on a year and a half yes yeah, so this is our sixth quarter we'll be done with our sixth quarter in a week
0: wow um yeah because that's a, uh, so I you know for your reference I first bought Bitcoin in March 2020 um but I'd been lurking and paying attention for years at that point um and uh so yeah so it, it's kind of like always been around for me swan like yeah. you know it's, we it's launched been, march 30th i think oh perfect timing man it's yeah. funny because i actually the first time i interviewed guy swan i thought he was part of it <laughs> I thought, he I is, looking, he's always been part of it well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he might help as market. an advisor
1: just not follow, not working i full thought
0: time. that the name came from him or something like that. <laughs> and yeah he was like oh no he's like I, he's like i get emails all the time though and just send them over to Corey and everybody and say here you go yeah um,
1: yeah, I mean, the, uh, the name evokes a lot of imagery and a lot of good feelings and I think has a lot of relevance, like, you know, love or hate Nassim Taleb, easier to hate him now than it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the concept of the black swan, and, which can be, which are just a thing that happens that wasn't expected, right? And the effects mm-hmm. of it can be positive or negative. So, you know, in my I, I was a big fan of those books. Um, still got the uh, the box set over there. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I argue with him on Twitter constantly,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got to do that though to just and keep about, it entertaining. Him
1: being a jerk. So, uh, but nevertheless, you know, Bitcoin is like the biggest positive black swan in history. You know, yeah. And and few understood, which is the key. Almost no black swan actually truly comes completely out of left field. Like some, it's just like very few people actually, we're looking for it or understanding it. And that's kind of what the cypherpunks were that were working on eCash. It was down to a few dozen people. Most of, most had given up.
0: Um, yeah, they were basically done with it, right? Plugging
1: away. A few just kept plugging away and eventually cracked it. And it's just freaking amazing for all of us, right? Um, and then obviously we like the whole, you know, swans, you know, were once a ugly duckling and now it's this beautiful swan and that's what Bitcoin is becoming. And that's what, you know, Bitcoiners you know, become swans, you know, as they self-actualize and start moving up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the deeper they get into Bitcoin. And as they ride out a cycle or two, you know, you start to really have to search your soul and figure out, you know, I don't know, I feel like we're ideating marketing copy for a couple of years from now here, but, you know, like find your swan or something like that.
0: Yeah, (laughs) no, that's it. Spread your
1: wings, all that kind of stuff.
0: That's not a bad idea because, I mean, you know, you see, I just saw somebody on twitter say like you know hey i'm not like a big you know i'm not a big whale or anything but i finally just got to be a whole coiner you know and like they've been working on it for a little over a year and everything and it's like i feel like that's what a lot of people and with me being so new to it is that uh you know I, i i don't i reserve my opinions other than like the general understanding of like yeah this is the future of like bigger picture, I try and be careful. Cause I'm like, I don't understand it yet. Like I haven't gone through a four-year cycle yet. You know, I haven't, I haven't gone through a bear market, you know, it, it was up only for a long time for me. Yeah. Um. So you think that there's, I, I think it's funny, you know, when we look at cycles and everything, and I know um, that, you know, you're not uh a fan of of uh the stock to flow and you know i don't have to we don't have to get into that because to me i just think i i know that the number is going to go up and to the right you know and like over a long period of time um what do you think the need for or why do we have like a, a need for models i mean maybe it comes from the fact that as humans we hate uncertainty um but uh you know, everybody keeps talking about is this cycle like 2017 or 2013. And I had like an aha moment the other day where I was like, wait a minute, there were two cycles before and neither of them were the same. They weren't like each other. So yeah. why do we think that this one is going to be, why does it have to be like one of those? You know, uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have like a pretty deep, stats background which is probably unfair when it comes to things like this You know, i took mm-hmm. upper level stats in undergrad took a lot of stats in grad school and you know consulting is like so much stats work um so i've just been doing it for a long time i've kind of an innate not innate it was developed a uh, bullshit detector for when i see numbers i'm like that's bullshit um but you know broadly if you're looking at like two data points and now you're about to add a third the way i would look at it is I would look at a geometric mean and I would assume that the range of potential outcomes for the next data point would be like considering either the first data point to be the geometric mean, which would mean going to the high side or the second data point, the 2017 cycle could be the geometric mean going to the low side because that increase was a lot smaller, right? So. That's just kind of how I would look at it. You know, 2013 was basically a 500x increase. 2017 was 100x increase, and so you know, if you were going to add a third data point, you would be looking at somewhere between a 20x increase and a 2,500x increase. So mm-hmm. that's like your range.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we
1: already it's we a already pretty beat big the, range. Yeah. So we already beat the potential increase. You know, the increase to 65k was the very low end, which is, you know, a 20 X from 3,100. And, you know, I don't think we're going to be hitting like 2,500 X, which would be like 1.7 million or something like that.
0: (laughs) I could, we can hope, right.
1: We can hope it'd be nice. Um, You know, but that's, that's the kind of, if you were going to put any kind of like realistic confidence interval, you know, at 95% or 99%, I mean, even, even for 95%, would have to be looking at something like geometric means Mm -hmm. for three data points um and i just you know it's this this whole looking at models i think people just like to like you said like to have something to believe in um they like a crew of other people they don't really care if it's right or not it's kind of fun to look at or whatever like
0: you know i like looking at at charts
1: i like running my own numbers i just like where, where people got way out over their skis was like abandoning logic and abandoning the principles of classical economic thought and thinking that somehow, you know, human action didn't matter anymore. And that it was just like pre-programmed and, you know, and so no matter I, I what just, you did, it was
0: going to be that it was just going to
1: do that. And obviously that's just false on its face. And we all know that. And then when you actually dig into the stats and you understand like, you know, once you adjust for autocorrelation, which is rife when you have a non-random variable that's actually included in both axes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> once you like literally once you adjust for autocorrelation in, in the S2F model, the R squared drops to 0.0. It actually drives nothing and it's better off just as a price chart with a best fit line without the S2F variable being in it at all. Mm-hmm. that's leaving aside the whole, you know, sort of misguided notion for the last, you know, three plus years, three and a half years that S2F is a proxy for scarcity,
0: which it's not. It's related mm-hmm. to scarcity, but it's not scarcity. So explain, explain that because <laughs> my, my smooth brain um, need. Well, it's okay. I, yeah, I don't no, want to go. I don't want to go too deep into it, honestly. Like, yeah, no, no, but yeah, we are, but. We don't have to go deep into it, but yeah, I'm just curious. Broadly,
1: I mean, scarcity is, you know, is when right now at, you know, the market clearing price, there's a lot more demand than there is supply. Mm -hmm. That's all it means. And so really a high stock to flow doesn't have anything to do with upwards price volatility. If anything, it should actually decrease volatility. So that's what you should see is that Bitcoin's price should be more stable over time, which makes sense logically. As Mm -hmm. stock to flow increases, you have a much bigger stock. What that means is that if there's a big spike in demand that dwarfs the flow, dwarfs the new supply coming onto the market, because you have this massive stock, you can absorb that shock because you can bring some of that stock to market. Mm -hmm. and we know this inherently right when the price of bitcoin spikes to 100k there's going to be a bunch of whales that come that haven't sold in eight years that are going to bring some of that stock to market Mm -hmm. so actually when you have a very low stock to flow like say oil in many cases like that's where you can get a big shock to the upside like even bigger so because there's no stock to bring to market Mm -hmm. or look at the energy market right so like energy like lives on the grid if there's no more energy on the grid and demand spikes, the prices go nuts in an unregulated Mm. market, like in Texas, right? Because the stock flow is super, super low. Mm -hmm. So we just have, we have a lot of just like, you know, and, and I think, you know, I, I, it's a mixed bag. Like we can talk about it here and, you know, just kind of mix it up a little bit, but, um, it's a mixed bag because in a lot of ways you're just fighting a propaganda war and the other side that's trying to denigrate bitcoin is uh not fighting fair and they're promoting false narratives every day and so i mm-hmm. totally understand a lot of you know a lot of the austin bitcoiners in particular kind of just like grabbing whatever the best narrative like you try a bunch in whichever one goes like that's the one you go with because it's bringing people into bitcoin regardless of like how perfectly true it is or not yeah you know because yeah, the other true. like it's just a propaganda war and you know a lot of these guys like brady on my team is you know debate champion in high school as was pierre as was Bitstein. like a lot of these guys are like really well tooled in rhetoric and and choosing wedge issues and like figuring out how to like hang your opponent viciously <laughs> and finding <laughs> finding what plays and like now it's even more fun as a lot of you know bitcoiners with uh politics experience are getting involved and this feels like in the next four or five years is, is politicians waking up to uh what a great issue bitcoin is and you know i think you're just going to see people trying all kinds of different things and seeing what sticks and you know in some ways i think some of you know some of this is like i'm of two minds because i want bitcoin to win and i'm so convinced of it being true that like you know i can see why some people say like by any means necessary Let's just make Mm -hmm. it win. It's so imperative. Like we'll use any tool in the book to like make it win. Um, But then also I think it's part of what makes Bitcoin and the Bitcoin community so very strong is that Bitcoin is the truth machine. It both attracts people with high integrity and also takes anyone and makes them higher integrity as they get closer to it and as they understand it. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, a big part of what I what I just I hate about like kind of the crypto space and just kind of bullshit purveyors in the finance industry in general. Is I just like hate I hate false narratives. Mm-hmm. So I'm always kind of conflicted between like you know I, I ran an experiment a few days ago just to see what would happen. Like mm-hmm. I, I, you know I, I basically just posted like the most ridiculously like bullish tweet that I could think of. You know just <laughs> just for fun just to see if it would just go nuts. And it was like, you know, four or five times more likes than any tweet I've ever posted. Wow! And then I did it the next day and it was like my fourth best tweet ever as far as best performing. So like clearly the community just kind of like eats up this, you know, get out over your skis, post something super bullish and, and that's that's what wins. And that's where, that's who the people, that's who that's who gets big audiences and that's who we end up listening to. So that's, that's what we want. We want a support group to support our bullish thesis and, and help us have strong hands through these dips.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <clears throat> I've, it's hard for me because I struggle with that, like where I just sit there and I'm like, the people people just post like everything's bullish. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, it was raining today. So like that means it's going up, you know? And it's like, I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe Maybe it's something with people named Corey that like I have a really hard time with. Like I just can't stand bullshit. And like, you know, things being said just to be said. Um, And like, even with the political thing, I'm curious your thoughts on it. But like, you know, I like a log scale has been getting crushed for being, you know, trying to get politicians and to adopt Bitcoin and, and go that way. And there's the people on the other side that, you know, are like, you know, we don't need politicians, F them, you know, all that kind of stuff. And like, I just find myself somewhere in the middle where I'm like, you know, like it would be great if politicians adopted Bitcoin. Like it would make mm-hmm. our lives a lot easier. I also don't think that they're gonna do it. But like, you know what I mean? I it just, it's just people pick a narrative and they're like, this is the way it has to be. And I'm like, there's a little nuance to the conversation, and nobody. Well, really it's wants all to gonna be this. on
1: a spectrum. It's mm-hmm. gonna be on a spectrum. Like you're not gonna have 100 senators and 435 reps all fully orange pilled but it's really helpful to have a couple people on like a finance and entrepreneurship committee actually understand Bitcoin and we have zero and Brad Sherman runs it. Yeah. Right. So like, let's, let's at least primary that dude.
0: Let's get him out and
1: let's get him out. And at least, at least signal to politicians, you know, my, my one goal is to a lot of people are like trying to orange pill them and that's great. And I'll lend my team's resources to help them do that or whatever, you know, I'm a little bit more of a fighter. And so Hmm. my goal is to just uh, viciously penalize anyone that's Mm -hmm. anti-Bitcoin. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Like, that's why I started the whole beat Brad Sherman thing. And then that turned into talking to the two primary challengers, realizing that Erica was probably the, the pole position challenger and was also like very open to talking to the Bitcoin community. The, uh, the other guy is like all about like blockchain stuff and doesn't understand mm-hmm. anything and is not really willing to learn Um, and is like in a distant third place anyway. So I think it just makes sense for that. I don't, I, I'm, you know, basically a one-issue voter. I just want Bitcoin to win.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's well, funny, I, I said to Dennis Porter, I said, I'm usually so cringed, like I one-issue voters, it bothers me because I'm like, there's just, Like, again, there's nuance in life. You have to go through the nuance. But Bitcoin, if it wins, it solves all the other issues that you have. In theory, you can start solving the problems that you want to solve by fixing the money. It'll
1: solve solve a lot of them. And in a lot of those problems, yeah, like you said, I just think, think a lot of times, I use this analogy a lot or this visual, but like you go far enough left and far enough right and you realize it's not a spectrum. It's a circle. They all hate injustice and Bitcoin fixes this. You know, you go far enough left and right and you meet at Bitcoin, Um, you know. So I I just, uh, I should say I'm actually like a one-issue activist. I don't even know if I'll vote anymore. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) one-issue activist. Um, Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I I think politicians are just people. They're just humans. You know, I've known quite a few of them. I used to work on campaigns like in high school and, and through to my early career. I think the last one I worked on was 2001, but, you know, I did for nine years or something like that. I would get involved. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin doesn't need politics or politicians at all. It's going to do what it's going to do anyway. It's I'm also fighting for Bitcoiners, not just mm-hmm. Bitcoin itself. You know, I think Swan is a Bitcoin company. Like we're made up of Bitcoiners and we're trying to make the lives of Bitcoiners better. We're trying to help them earn more. We're trying to help them stack stats more and better. Uh, We're trying to make sure they don't get law, lose their Bitcoin, spend their Bitcoin, trade their Bitcoin away, get hacked. Like we're just, we're in this to help mint new Bitcoiners and help Bitcoiners be better Bitcoiners.
0: You guys are like the HODL company because I mean, for anyone that doesn't know you guys don't have a sell button. What was that word you used? What was it? a uh, HODL company, a sell button, like a, what's sell, what's that? Oh, <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You guys don't sell.
1: Yeah. yeah sell. I don't, I don't it's like a, it's a
0: thing that uh, yeah. I think it goes up on a boat and catches. Oh, wind. Sail. Yeah. yeah,
1: We sell Bitcoin. You don't sell Bitcoin. No, I mean, you, you, uh, there's no sell button. Obviously people can just like hit us up and sell within minutes if they want to. But I, I kind of like that little bit of friction that stops people from like freaking out and we get so many notes like two or three days after a dip or a wick or something. And people are just like, thank God they couldn't just like open the app and sell.
0: I find that's, that is what everybody needs. Cause if more apps did that, I mean, when, when the big crash happened in may I had moved a lot right before that and it was no longer on an exchange. And I was like, thank God, because I would have, you know, it's human nature to, to want yeah. to bail, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, so what was the origin of that? I mean, other than, you know, not wanting people to panic and sell, I mean, was that a hard, was that a hard sell in the boardroom with the, with the team to say, Hey, let's make an, they can buy, but they can't get out, you know, not really. But...
1: <laughs> I mean, they can sell anytime they want. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just, just making them jump through like one tiny little hurdle makes you think about it a little bit more you know yeah. i think that's all it is so i mean we didn't we didn't have a sell button when we only had the automatic recurring purchases cuz all you could do was just accumulate bitcoin and you know that was it so you had to make an active choice to add a sell button if you wanted mm-hmm. to like it's there obviously we can execute it and we could put a button on the on the site and in the app if we wanted to and we've just chosen not to
0: now how do you guys see the the is the regulation that the US Put through in that infrastructure bill is that gonna, you know, affect you guys negatively or or what are your thoughts on what's going to come it out doesn't, of it?
1: Doesn't affect Bitcoin one bit, not at all.
0: I like that because you know a lot of people say we need this for Bitcoin to succeed, and kind of like you said, it's going to happen. It's going to do its thing. It's it's a yeah. it's a living thing. It's it's yeah. going. Um, yeah, and it's, mean,
1: game theoretically, like it's going to be just absolutely massive. Because that's that's you know all, all the reasons that we know like we, mm-hmm. the shelling point is like what I think other people are going to think, yeah. That other people yeah. are going to think, you know, and that's that's going to be Bitcoin. It's like let's meet up in New York tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And yeah, you know, ninety percent of people meet at Grand Central Station at noon. If you don't have the time and the place.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. That's, like true. that's
1: that's the shelling point. Right. So, um, the other people say observation deck at. Uh, Empire State Building, by the way.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the minority.
1: I'm, I'm an Empire State guy, and I'll probably miss all my connections. But uh,
0: <laughs> you're in a you're an Empire State guy. Is that uh, from the Sleepless in Seattle?
1: Uh, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like the, the the highest point in the middle of the city. You know, 34th and Fifth. So it just seems like where you'd be. But yeah, I guess it's Sleepless in Seattle. Um, but yeah, I think the uh, say San. Uh, lost my train of thought. Bitcoiners, uh, sell button. I don't know where I was going with this.
0: Yeah, that's that's all right. We'll pick, uh, pick it up. Um, but uh, I, I was wanted to ask you about longevity in Bitcoin. So you've been around for four years, um, and and I think my goal is to try and stay in Bitcoin as long as possible before getting burnt out or whatever. So like you know, where I, I, I love to talk about it, but then I reach like my point where I'm like, you know what? I, I literally can't talk about it again right now. Like I got to I gotta step back. So what do you think the key is for people to have longevity in Bitcoin and, and not get burnt out and turn into a shit coiner?
1: Well, I mean, I think there are, you can think about the future implications of what happens as Bitcoin gains steam and think about the opportunities that are going to, Uh, be there for you, the new problems that will be created and what the solutions to those may be, Um, you know, and it's easy because the future is around you. It's other places in the world. Things that are happening in Bitcoin in the United States are not happening in some other places yet. So they can look at it here and say like, oh, well, that's going to come to my country. We can look at what's happening in Nigeria and say, well, if I'm entrepreneurial or want to get involved in some way, I can assume that that's gonna start happening in other countries that reach their tipping point. And, um, you know, so I think there's always kind of new things. And then when you look at, um, you know, the eight or nine different fields that uh, maybe not mastery, but like pretty decent, at least shallow understanding of, of economics and classical thought and history and politics and, you know, all these other things, computer science, uh, cryptography, You know, there's so many different things you can dive into. You know, one of the things that we're going to be doing a lot more of, I kind of hinted at earlier, is uh, spending a lot of time on educating people. You know, we've spent, as an industry, we spent three years uh, teaching people, you know, why and how to buy Bitcoin. And I think we're going to spend a lot more time going forward, teaching people how to make more money so they can buy more Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. You know, so it's like a
1: natural adjacent community is like, how do you, how do you get better jobs? How do you get paid more? Like what are the tools that you use to extract more, you know, how do you mine fiat better so that you can yeah. stack more sats?
0: Yeah. I think that's kind of where my mind is right now. Cause a lot of people, they want to just buy Bitcoin. I think that maybe that's where you get frustrated. You buy Bitcoin and you think it's going to make me rich. Um, and it, it's not,
1: cause you're never going to want to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? true. So- you know, I think in 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 the end, we'll actually have like very sort of deep, liquid, very low interest in fiat terms, markets, you know, that'll drive over collateralized, you know, or Bitcoin backed loans, I think will be like one or 2% per year or something like that. Ridiculously low. Whereas today so. they're, you know, 8 to 10% from a reputable business and, you know, maybe four or six from a shady business. Um, I think good businesses will lend you fiat at, you know less than inflation
0: (laughs) it's a a, yeah i mean it's i i thought that that was gonna take off and really suck up a lot of the supply the you know people locking up bitcoin into loans and thank god i didn't do it because it could have got liquidated yeah
1: Um, i mean that that's a risk yeah you don't want to do like you know two or three x loan to value you know you, you need like a big stack, and you want to be doing like ten x.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you know, and that can't be
1: your whole stack either. Like, not a, like that should only be part of your stack. You know, or at least whatever you could do the two and a half x loan to value, but also make sure that you could fund it with lots more Bitcoin from your cold storage if you were going to do that.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, to make sure it's you don't get liquidated, it's much
1: cleaner if you don't do that. I don't know. At yeah. the end of the day, like at some point, a lot of people around the world are going to have substantially all of their net worth in Bitcoin and they're going to have to spend it, you know, like
0: one day we'll have to actually spend.
1: It will make sense at some point because you'll have nothing else to spend. Uh, I mean, you see like a lot of the people that experiment with lightning are people that have had Bitcoin since 2012, 2013, because they actually need to spend some Bitcoin in many cases,
0: you know? Yeah. If you've been holding it that long, I mean, what's, what's, it's 99% of
1: their net worth almost by definition, if you've been holding that long. Uh, and it? so they have to spend it. And a lot of us around the world will be like that in 10 years.
0: Yeah. I And I actually made one of my um, companies full on into it. I guess I can announce now. We, I was going to kind of do like try and go like through the press, but I don't think Bitcoin magazine was really interested in whatever. Um, so my streaming platform that uh, we just launched in our marketing campaigns taking off next week, um, uh, We our investor came in and did it all in Bitcoin. And so I actually have to sell Bitcoin sometimes in order to pay for things because, and you know, I saw people people always say I never sold a sat, you know, and finally I saw somebody say if you've never sold a sat, that means you're not long enough Bitcoin. So it made me feel better because I feel guilty every time, you know, where I'm like, oh God, I have to part with this Bitcoin, but it's specifically to pay for something you know like as business expenses so is that where uh the swan hodl bitcoin is that where you guys are at
1: yeah we try to keep as much in bitcoin as we can um yeah so i think we you know take most of our fees other than payroll and just keep it in
0: bitcoin is that um something that swan could eventually get into is handling managing payroll and things like that um
1: You could, but
0: it's like, it's so
1: unnecessary, really. Like, I don't want to get into like HR services and usually payroll is kind of bundled with some of these other things, but, you know, I mean, people have been paying themselves in Bitcoin through swan since day one, because you're just looking at your fiat inflow. If you have a bunch of excess liquid capital, you should with, with an asset that has a lot of upward skewed volatility, you should put that in now because time and market is, is the deal, right? Um, but then if you have more fiat earnings, you should think about, you know, how much of that you want to put into Bitcoin every week or every month and just set up that automatic recurring purchase plan. It's frictionless, it's free and, mm-hmm. you know, just get paid in Bitcoin. You don't need an employer involved in that in any way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. And I mean, yeah. I, I guess in theory, I've been paying myself in Bitcoin anyways, cause I just <laughs> immediately yeah. turn around and dump it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's the same thing. I mean, like you know, some of these athlete announcements, like I'm going to get paid in Bitcoin. Obviously, no no team is sending them Bitcoin. They're just, they have an exchange account and they take the USD pay just like you and I do and they buy Bitcoin with it. That's mm-hmm. getting paid in Bitcoin and then they get in the press.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, that was my, um, that was my, what I was conflicted with, uh, with making our quote unquote announcement. Because um, if I really wanted to make waves with it, I mean, we literally, that, It happened back in like May, Um, you know, so we've just been kind of like, I was like, yeah, it's not really important when you don't need to push it out. And I reached out to Bitcoin magazine and they were like, yeah, they were like, it's not really, they're, they're pretty selective with their stories. And I was like, that's fine, whatever. You know, I mean, it's not a big deal to me because really it is, it's just a unit of account. Um, And uh, I will say, I want to do my investors. um, They were not Bitcoiners per se they were interested and I sold them on it. Um, but they hold, they held and never flinched over the summer. And like, I felt like an idiot all summer because we literally, we got this investment in and then immediately lost 20% value. Yeah. And and I just like all summer long was like, uh, this was, you know, like I knew that I was right. I knew I made the right decision, but like, I was just waiting every time I talked to them for them to be like, so, um, that was pretty stupid, wasn't it? Um, and, uh, but no, then it, it bounced back and, and uh, they're happy now. And, and now we have, uh, we're trying to get some Bitcoin content on there. We'll talk about that once we're done recording. But you guys made a documentary um, uh, about, uh, you know, if you want to get into that a little bit.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like we're just kind of helping with the distribution and the marketing. So uh, the, we call it uh, Presented by Swan. Um, mm-hmm. but really just like all credit to the, uh, the producer and the director. So, uh, Ricky Posner and, and Jamie King, like they just did a beautiful job. These guys are award-winning, uh, Enrique started his career working for Almodovar in Spain and used to run, you know, European distribution for one of the big studios. I think Fox, uh, and then Jamie's won a ton of awards over the years for shorts and documentaries and stuff like that. So like, this is an awesome team. They called the movie, uh, this machine Greens," and it's basically just a, a nice, quick but really in-depth 35-minute uh, doc on Bitcoin and the energy markets and Bitcoin energy consumption and kind of like what the truth of that all is. And uh, I think it's kind of a calling card for them because they have a, a feature-length documentary that they're going to be selling through to like Netflix and Prime called Trust. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just about Bitcoin more broadly. So I think this is kind of like a, a proof of concept for them to be able to raise the money for the, for the feature-length but uh, yeah, there was a, a fancy premiere in uh, New York last night, 7 p.m. in New York. And uh, I think we did the, uh, the first airing on the Swan YouTube channel last week. Uh, and people just absolutely love this thing. And it features all your favorite Bitcoiners talking about this stuff. So it's good.
0: Yeah, the, This uh,
1: machine greens. Check it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully uh, we, we want to have a lot of Bitcoin content. We have um, Richard James' uh, three films. We put them yeah. together as a series. Um, calling it person state um, Mm. and just making it available. Like you don't have to be a subscriber to our platform. It's we we have some things we have them under free speech, like quote unquote free speech Um, because we are for free speech, but we're also, those are things that are available to anybody that downloads movies plus download. No, I'm not going to show my platform right now. Um, But uh, I think that's important. And you know, that we have more education like that because of the, the, the speed that the fud comes out. Um, so, with the energy consumption market, I mean, do you think are we going to see a lot more oil and gas companies start jumping on Bitcoin and mining? You know, that's kind of been a a uh, all of a sudden a, a sexy topic where people you know are talking about mining. And w- do you see that evolving in the future here, or do you think that they're going to ultimately be like, I can't handle the volatility, so
1: um i mean they don't yes so you can you can make money by getting involved in it so they will
0: yeah good point <laughs> and they don't have
1: they don't have to hold the bitcoin that they earn through these deals or through these operations whether they do it in partnership with somebody else or whether they do it themselves like you can extract a lot of value um you know just from the flared natural gas let alone you know using you know excess supply of any energy source Um, wherever it may be uh, for mining Bitcoin. So um, I think that you'll just continue to see the merging of Bitcoin mining with the global energy industry uh, Mm -hmm. over time. And, you know, I think you'll see lots of fights about that. And you'll see some people pushing, you know, probably the much more, I would say probably true narrative that energy is a product and that, you know, broadly energy is clearly massively beneficial for, humanity and for humans Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that, you know, more, more energy solves way more problems than it creates Yeah, that we've pulled almost everybody out of poverty and, you know, decreased climate related deaths by 99% in the last century because of more energy production. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think you'll see a lot of people kind of stand firm with that narrative and not give an inch and that's great that they do. Uh, And then you'll also see a lot of people just kind of like playing politics and just kind of like trying to win the battles like the war is over here, which is just like more energy is good. Mm -hmm. And then the battles are like, well, okay, let's create a mining council and let's talk about, you know, Bitcoin is green or can be green and helps the grid and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I think we as a species, I would hope will eventually land on the truth
0: yeah yeah the tr- The truth i've found always uh wins eventually um not so far right
1: like we're we're living in a world with eight billion people and you know we're surrounded by lies at almost every level like
0: you know yeah you know that is something interesting because i guess maybe more on a personal level where you know me i can be happy with myself and at peace with myself for not you know for telling the truth like it's it's so much harder but it, this is kind of not Bitcoin related, but you brought it up, and it's been on my mind lately. Um, and since I'm doing a freedom of speech platform, I, I wonder when when did it become so, like, perceived to be socially acceptable or morally acceptable to just lie? You know what I mean? Because both sides of the aisle, both both left and right, with media, they just they, it's just blatant lies. You know, and people just they don't even care if you get called out on it. They, they know they're going to get called out. They know people can Google and, and read the past of what they said. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's I guess that's a good point when you said, you know, has truth really won? Um, you know, wh- where do you think, do you think Bitcoin pushes that truth and, and kind of makes people be honest?
1: I mean, I do. I mean, I, I absolutely do. Like I said, I think, I really do think it attracts high integrity people and in that it makes people care more about their reputation and and really think deeply about their legacy. Uh, because, I mean, in some ways, just Bitcoiners that get deep into it and start stacking a lot, they kind of expect to have generational wealth.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And so now they're actually like thinking deeply about what kind of values they're going to instill in their children or future children. And they're thinking about, you know, it's seven generation thinking and stuff like that. So I, I think they they try to shape up you know, they start eating better, start working out more. They try to f- fix broken relationships. They s- spend more time <laughs> thinking about their kids' education. Like it kind of makes you think uh, way more deeply about how you're spending your time on this planet. And I think that's very much because you have a way to, you know, store the products of your time in a fair way. Yeah. For the first time you have a way to preserve the effort that you've put in—that's better than anything that we've had before—makes
0: me think of that um, that uh, Justin Timberlake movie. I think it was called In Time. Did you ever see that, where like yeah. time was a currency? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: time, 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 and Bitcoin—the <laughs> only constants. Yeah, I think both energy and time are really good uh, proxies for Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin is a concept. Uh, that draws from, it's directly tied to both. It, it takes energy and turns it into a time chain, right? It turns, mm-hmm. It's the only vector. I think, um, you know, Gigi, there Gigi on Twitter is probably yeah. the most eloquent, uh, regular voice He's talking awesome. about Bitcoin as a time chain and just go look up some of his big threads. Use Twitter advanced search, just Google Twitter advanced search, and then put in DIRGG as the handle and search for like more than a thousand likes or more than 2000 likes or something. You can see a bunch of anybody's threads that way, a little hack for you. Um, and then uh, yeah, on the energy stuff, like it's just fascinating anyway. Yeah. I, and I think, I think um, if I were going to queue up or tee up one person that I think uh, has the best and most frequent conversations about what Bitcoin is doing to people and has a, like a pretty even handed, it's not like way out over his skis. Like, Oh, we're all super people, the yeah. remnant, blah, blah, blah. Like I think Valis is, pro- John Valis is probably having like the most interesting conversations and spends the most time thinking about uh, what Bitcoin is doing for people's integrity. I really like listening to him.
0: Yeah. I, he was my second guest. And, and just the other day, I was like, I gotta, I gotta reach back out to him because he's such a good calm voice you know although i gotta like maybe exercise a little bit more if he's gonna make me do it shirtless um because he's uh he's been doing like two shirtless podcasts now and i was like oh crap is it this is gonna become a thing i gotta exercise a lot more than i i'm not out of shape but i could be in better shape that's for sure um i got a little bit of the dad bod going you know um just gotta own it
1: man it's all good
0: yeah that's true just go with it um like a like a burt kreischer i mean he's got more than a dad bod but like it's just funny you know that comedian that takes a shirt off all the time and he's chubby and everything and he said he was like i actually felt uncomfortable with a shirt on and like (laughs) it felt like fatter until he took his shirt off and he's like he just is like comfortable so yeah he does all his stand up with no shirt on Uh, that's awesome and uh you know he's, he's not like you know in ripped or anything like that um that's interesting the time the, the time aspect I love Gigi I you know recommend anybody listening to to look up uh Gigi's writings um and I had this thought too because you ever think about it's a, a little bit of a deep thought but like talk about like timelines and you know people talk about time as a concept and um we always think the time is linear but like in reality it's like up straight straight up and down and um and it's all happening at the same time. And we just have created this time construction. And I Bitcoin's the first thing that actually has put time in physical reality. You know what I mean? Like you could have a watch, but anybody can manipulate it. But you can't manipulate Bitcoin. Um, so it's just something I, I had a deep thought the other night while I was looking at the stars.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's Gigi's whole. It's the first time that we've actually had like an immutable vector of time. Um, yeah. That doesn't require you know it's a trustless we can all look at it and we will all with enough math and cryptography background we'll all come to the same conclusion that time is progressing and that the blockchain is an accurate record of when things happened yeah you don't need any trusted third party to record anything and you don't need to dig in and see if you trust that person and trust the people that vouch for them and etc like you can fuck with literally everything except for the bitcoin time chain
0: and then trust. Uh, don't trust. Verify. That's the beauty of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Corey, look, I know uh, we got to run here, and I, I probably about half my question. So we could pr- eventually, sometime, do this again because I, I like yeah. uh, you know very you know very balanced, nuanced, and, and calm you know uh, demeanor when it comes to Bitcoin. Even though maybe you get, we can all get a little riled up on the internet from time to time, but but uh, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, and thanks for doing this.
1: No, absolutely. My pleasure. And uh, congrats on getting going with the streaming platform. Look forward to hear more about that. And uh, Corey to Corey. Yeah. Team Bitcoin for the win.
0: Yep. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks, man.